0: Welcome to this episode of Right Stuff, presented and produced by me, Chris Fitzgerald, through the Head Stuff Podcast Network. In this episode, we have a chat and a couple of readings from the brilliant Kerry O'Brien. Uh, before we get into that, though, let's hear from Connor from Words to That Effect, which is another really good Head Stuff podcast. Always really interesting. So here's Connor. I'm Connor Reed, and this is Words to That Effect, a literary podcast of the curious, the intriguing, and the unexplored. With in-depth research and expert guests, I answer the kind of questions you know you need the answers to. Like, what exactly is transhumanism, and why do some people think it'll make them immortal? Why are there so many crime novels with the word girl in the title? Who was H.B. Lovecraft, and why is the internet a little bit obsessed with him? Listen to Words to That Effect wherever you get your podcasts or at wttepodcast.com. Season 3 is launching very soon. All right, I was really delighted to be able to talk to the poet Kerry O'Brien interly recently, at an event in the Rose Hotel held by Listowel Writers Week. Kerry's collection of poems, Illuminate, is really quietly profound and always beautiful in the way that it exposes themes of family and people, place and art. It was a real pleasure to chat with her and to hear her read some poems from Illuminate, so I hope you enjoy this too. I started by asking Kerry about the spiritual elements of her poetry.
1: The poems which I do touch on things about maybe the afterlife, or death, or there being hope after death, or grief, or things a bit more spiritual, I like thought, um, really seem to resonate with a lot of people. Um, and I suppose these days, not a lot of young female Irish poets would be talking about things like faith or death Mm. (laughs) it's not really the most kind of topical conversation I think I'm a bit kind of obscure in that way but at the same time I suppose I'm writing um, about things that are you know true to me and things that I would kind of read about as well so yeah, and I suppose my intention, like the, the word illuminate did come along and I knew I kind of wanted every poem in the collection to evoke that in some way. So, um, like you said about enlightenment, that, you know, that, that my poems would kind of enlighten or, you know, illuminate people in some way by the end of it, that they get, get something positive from it, I suppose. That's the, the hope.
0: And you are getting these very strong reactions from audiences and from readers. Um, how does that feel then when you do get those reactions? Like. You, I presume you were going through this kind of experience when writing them. Were you thinking about an audience and how they might react in these kind of visceral ways?
1: No, not at all, because before, like, um, even though it's, you know, is still quite like a small press thing, but before Illuminate, everything else had been in kind of small journals or small readings around the country. There hadn't been that much of a massively wide audience, or especially like a different, demo. you know, you usually be reading in open mic nights where everyone else is kind of a young poet as well. Um, so, yeah, the most surprising thing for me, and even it happened again tonight, that people really resonate with some of the work. So there's a poem called Sundays about my granddad, which we might read now. Um, and basically a lot of people come up to me saying that it brought a tear to their eye. It really reminded them of their relationship, with their father, are granddad. So I find for some reason the same with my poem Wish, uh, which the collection finishes with. Very short poem kind of about dying that a lot of older people um, got in touch, like one woman wanted to use it at her funeral. A lot of people said it gives them kind of hope um, about the afterlife. So it's kind of yeah, I seem to have tapped into this kind of uh, older demographic. And like I really didn't expect any of that. Yeah, especially something about like a poem about my grandfather that's so kind of personal um, to me and my family, or me and his relationship that can really um, affect so many people on different levels. It's really kind of um, humbling.
0: Mm-hmm. It would be amazing if you did read that, Kerry. Yes, Sundays. of course. Yep. Uh, yeah, you might find it there.
1: Sundays. Despite all the years that lie between us, we eat together each week. Eighty years of you still strong, clattering in the kitchen, your ancient hands making everything look miniature. Something powerful about your presence and elegance, the whole family has some trace of it, striking. You show your kindness by feeding me, things you grow yourself, all the life you've had, most of it I know nothing of. But I love you for it, your pride and mystery, we sit, you quietly make tea, pouring your heart out.
0: Beautiful. Thanks, Kerry. Yeah, I mean, that last line, there's no wonder it's gotten those reactions. Um, so that poem and a lot of your poetry focuses on people, either people from your family over generations, are artists that have influenced you, writers like Beckett or Hemingway, uh, poets call- like Matisse, uh, or sorry, painters like Matisse. Um, so, people influencing you, and also places influencing you, like Paris. You've written about Dublin as well. Um, did it ever? Do you have ever ever have any anxiety about all of your influences being on your sleeve a bit, and kind of putting your all of these people who people and places that have been inspirations for you? Uh, making it so obvious what these inspirations are was that ever something that you were conscious of when you were writing?
1: Yeah I remember a few people have asked me this about kind of you know even tackling big figures like Beckett or Hemingway um, but I suppose at the time it didn't really phase me at all because I was just writing about people who'd really made an impact on my life and um, And I kind of talked a bit earlier about some of these big figures can be kind of larger than life and kind of transcend time a bit, you know, these big, great, you know, artistic or literary people or something about like their, their spirit or soul can kind of live on or really affect like, you know, um, millions of people all around the world from all different walks of life. Um, But yeah, it's interesting, like it was never really my plan when I wrote the collection for all that to kind of come together, it just seemed to happen that way. And now for the next book, I'm not really sure what direction I'm going to take, because I've kind of covered all the things that were so personal to me or, you know, certain relationships or again, like you say, big figures that influenced me. Um, So I think my plan now over the next couple of months to kind of sit down again and see kind of what comes out, I suppose. Mm. So I think it might be, might be quite different, but I'm glad I've been able to kind of honour or emulate these figures in some way.
0: Because you said earlier as well that you owed it to your talent to write this. And did like, I say that <laughs> you did? Yeah, and I, I found that interesting. It's not it was out of context. Like. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was like you were you were talking about when you you had an injury, you, you broke your foot inexplicably somehow, yeah. and you ended up uh, in like uh, incapacitated basically for six months, and then you focused on writing. So that idea of the talent versus the work, like it was hard work, I presume as well. Um, yeah, and
1: I suppose in terms of like um, owing it to my talent. Like, I think, like I said, when I was younger, was like, oh, yeah, I was writing and I got published very quickly and I was very lucky and all that. Um, but I remember it was another poet, it was actually this poet called Paul Perry said it to me about kind of uh, honouring the gift. And I remember, you know, at the time we are kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever, but that really kind of stuck with me because I think if you're younger, like I said, like it, it took me so long to kind of, I always thought I'd write the book and it would somehow just form itself and it would all be fine and, you know, the older version of me would do that and then that just you know gradually was not happening um probably with the phd or something similar that you kind of think yeah you know at some point the older version me will sort that out and then it's just (laughs) like oh god this is actually down to me right now making a bit of an effort you know what i mean um so yeah i kind of thought okay do you know what now um well it was it was like being able to walk kind of was the kind of impetus but i kind of felt okay i've done so much i've written so much i really had to kind of get myself together and actually produce a book and take it seriously at this point um which is just yeah it's <laughs> it's just hard and you think especially because you know most people think the poetry is quite like short and whatever and like like a big i don't know massive tome of a novel but you know for me anyway i did put an awful lot of my heart and soul into it so it was quite difficult but i think yeah i just needed you know needed that kind of discipline mm-hmm. to kind of go to that next level really and take it seriously
0: so, were we talking about drafts and drafts and like a lot of editing and reviewing, or where was the discipline and the hard work focused?
1: I think with, because I, you know, like all kind of young poets, you can publish, there's an awful lot of literary journals out there mm-hmm. and there's, you know, newspapers and stuff, for these competitions, or you can read a things. So it's easy to kind of like have, I think by the time, like before it, I had a huge body of work out there. But I, in, like for me anyway, none of it was good enough. And none of them was like, f- like forming a kind of coherent whole. So, I could have done the easy thing and just kind of shoved them all together and pretty much, you know, stapled them and been like there you go that's the collection but I think I knew I had to I wanted to have kind of like a concept around it and just kind of write a really great work and have kind of like to be honest like most of the poems were actually written like all around the same time as each other just kind of unusual I think it's kind of written like maybe one extended long poem but they all have the kind of same tone about them Mm. that's my, my hope anyway um so yeah again just to kind of take it a bit more seriously and be you know write the best work that you can rather than kind of dismissing it and lazily putting together things I had out there anyway hmm. um, so yeah and just uh, that's where the, the, the hard graft comes into it yeah.
0: yeah and another theme that comes up a lot with you is that you're also a photographer and a painter and those visual art elements come into your poetry a lot I think as well because uh, in a lot of poems you're mentioning colours you're mentioning how things look a lot and uh, like So there's definitely a blending between the two but yeah. something you said earlier as well was that you go inward for poetry but outward for visual arts. Is that something you remember saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I
1: do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, and I probably shouldn't... Uh, I'm nodding. I shouldn't nod on a, <laughs> no, on, no. On a podcast. Like, no, no, no. But um,
0: what do you mean by that? Like going inward for poetry but outward for painting and photography. Um. So is it like poetry is a more reflective art form for you?
1: Oh th- my God, definitely, yeah. So okay. I think with... <clears throat> for me anyway, poetry it's so much more introspective and it's so much more like, you know, writing a you know, memory, you're dealing with kind of memory or the, past, you know, for my work anyway, especially that book, memory in the past and experience and reliving certain things or thinking about certain things in your life or big kind of emotional experiences or what they meant to you or what people meant to you. So it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to kind of subject matter, you know, um, and then in terms of visual for my visual art anyway or my photography in terms of looking out I think it's it's much more it's expressive like especially with like it's funny like people always mention the colour in my poems and it's so funny I'm just completely unaware of that okay. I've never really? yeah, yeah like even those I didn't even but there must obviously there must be colour throughout them but people always mention mm. that and I never it's something I'm not conscious of which okay. is kind of kind of hilarious. Bl- a lot of blue really okay yeah it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. the, the first one but um I think yeah it's kind of like because poetry is kind of so difficult and it is introspective and it's just, you know, very kind of like you're in your own head and it's hard and it's you're bringing up kind of like, you know, dredging up the past a bit and feelings and emotions. Whereas for me, with painting or photography, like you're social photography, like, you know, you're outdoors and you're looking out and you're seeking something outside of yourself. Um, Almost more like kind of like being a directing a film or something, you know, it's kind of it's real life and it's different. um, And it's all kind of happening before you. And the same way, like with I could paint kind of like abstract business work. Um, um, but again, you're dealing with kind of like color and form and movement, and you kind of have like you can spend all day painting and have a finished product by the end of it and be really and really like it and hang mm. it up, and it's just much more much more satisfying. Mm. <laughs> or it's much, for me, anyway, I think it's much better for my mental health okay. um, than if I was trying to kind of like just really be going so inward all the time. Mm. I think it would just kind of drive anyone mad. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think they're very they're very different processes, but I need to kind of try and find the the balance between the two.
0: Mm. So then. What about the future now? Are you wh- Which one of those are you focusing on most now?
1: I think at this point, because I've kind of ignored the writing for so long, which seems to be kind of a theme in my life, um, I don't know what the next book will really kind of be about, but I can feel this, po- you know, it's kind of coming. Do you know what I mean? Like I mm. If I kind of sit down for a while now, I think like the, the ideas will kind of swarm around for a while. Whereas just after Illuminator, when I was kind of touring a lot... There's no space to think of new work. There's no space, you know, you're reading the old mm. work all the time or you've just you've just kind of like given birth to that project in a sense. So I think I do, this year, I, I need to really kind of focus on a second collection because it just takes an awful long time to write, you know. Yeah. Like even if I started like really focusing and really writing now, I probably wouldn't be published for another year or two anyway. So it's, I have to kind of think about that. But what I really would like to do is, um, like I've sold a lot of my paintings in the past, um, but I would really, especially with like the photography and the 35mm stuff, I've been a few exhibitions, but I'd like to do a book of photography. I think that would just be quite cool. Um, mm. It's not something I do myself. It's, like, literally just too expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it's cheap. If I wanted to, like, you know, self-publish a pamphlet or something, that's mm. fine, but when it comes to actually, like, beautiful digital reproductions, it gets horrifying mm. and expensive very quickly. Mm. Um, So I think I would, like... I'm kind of toying with the idea of that, but I think, yeah, I suppose... Second poetry collection to be completed hopefully by this time next year, whatever that might be about, and then keep yeah just kind of keep keep it all up really Mm. somehow getting some sort of like massive income coming at the same time. Yeah,
0: that'll happen. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so last question then, Kerry, before and you might do one final poem if you don't mind. Um, So you were just talking about the two different types of books and the expense of publishing certain types of books, and you've worked in the book industry as well. Um, How do you see that at the moment in 2019 now? what's the industry like for new writers, new poets, maybe even new photographers who are trying to get published? Um, what's your insight into that?
1: I suppose it's kind of one of extremes, uh, in my experience, especially having, like, when I worked in the Writers' Centre and all that, that was kind of, let's see, probably 10 years ago. Um, so from then until now, like, the in terms of fiction, especially literary fiction these days, I'm sure you've noticed, you have these mm. big, massive book deals happening and big, huge superstars kind of overnight kind of thing mm. going on, which is great, but at the same time... You kind of don't want to lead a generation of young writers into thinking that'll happen. It can't happen to each and every person, do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. like not every person can kind of be an overnight massive success with like, you know, book deals and film deals thrown at them. So. I think, like, when I started getting into writing and working in the Writers' Centre and doing courses, I discovered this kind of amazing, like, underground scene of poets. And, like, we were talking with Victoria earlier about, like, how those scenes exist in every county and they're, you know, huge, down in Kerry and Cork and Limerick and Galway. Um, and as far as I can see, was, those have sustained, like, different people now, but, like, they're, you know, they're still going and there's still a huge, like, communi- like, literary community out there, which is, like, amazing. Um, but I think nothing, in my opinion, like, performance poetry has become much more popular, Kind of almost turning into rap a bit, mm. but when it comes to kind of the standard literary page poets, I think it's kind of the same thing that people are producing fantastic work, um, and people are bringing out a lot of books. And it's you know especially like bookshops like Books of Stairs in Dublin are amazing. They're like publishing new collections every month, and it's incredible. And everyone is like supporting each other a lot. And there's kind of thriving small presses um, like Deer Press have done so mm. well in the last few years. Salmon are still thriving. You know, there's so many of them now. But um, in terms of you know like Financial kind of stability or anything like that. I don't think nothing much is really changing there. Like in mm-hmm. America, things have kind of gotten a bit kind of that kind of celebrity thing is happening again, like with Ocean Vuong and mm-hmm. people like this. And you know, and then you have Kate Tempest and people like that in the UK. Like there's this kind of again leading towards kind of bigger book deals and you know that kind of thing. But um I yeah, for any any emerging writers or people doing creative writing programs, I would be much more realistic about it that. You know, you could be an overnight success and amazing millions could come, you know, or, you know, just don't quit the day job. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Basically. But I think at the moment, you know, Irish writing is really exciting and there's some tremendous talent at the moment. We're making a big, huge impact worldwide. But um, not everyone can the best yeah
0: you know, I mean. right yeah it's a tough world yeah. um <laughs> so finally carrie thanks a million for talking to me um the f- last poem and you mentioned it earlier is wish would you mind reading that oh yeah of course that yep, would be beautiful the last poem. thanks a million
1: no thank you so much Chris. thank you wish i want to have the blessing of a deathbed in a house that is a shrine to all the favorite parts of my life i want to thank the well-loved bark of my body for all it has done I want my spirit to go out like a laughing child, running through the fields and all along the white sands of the sea, ready for anything.
0: This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.